1: When the papa found out he began to shout He started the investigation It's against the law It was against the law What the mama saw It was against the law all right, for
0: this episode, we'll be talking about Paul Simon. Paul Simon. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Hi. And Adam. Hey. Paul Simon is the second solo studio album by the American singer songwriter Paul Simon. It was released uh, in January of 1972, and the producer is Roy Haley and Paul Simon. The genre is folk rock. And from All Music Review, William Ruhlman. If any musical justification were needed for the breakup of Simon & Garfunkel, it could be found on this striking collection, Paul Simon's post-split debut. From the opening cut, Mother & Child, Simon, who had snuck several subtle musical explorations into the generally conservative Simon & Garfunkel sound, broke free. But most of the album had a low-key feel with Simon on acoustic guitar backed by only a few trusted associates singing a group of informal, intimate, funny, and closely observed songs. It was miles removed from the big, stately ballad style of Bridge Over Troubled Water and signaled that Simon was a versatile songwriter as well as an expressive singer with a much broader range of musical interest that he had previously demonstrated. You didn't miss Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon, not only because Simon didn't write Garfunkel-like showcases for himself, but because the songs he did write showed off his own more varied musical strengths. All right, what do we think of Paul Simon? Solo.
2: It's a good record. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I
3: thought it was great. Yeah, I, w- I was telling you guys, uh, before we were recording, I bought this album twice, sold it once, almost sold it twice. It took, it took multiple listens to click with me, but now that it's clicked, uh, I'm fully on board. Nice. Yeah. What didn't click before? I think what it was, like, I, I'm a big Paul Simon fan. But I think, I, you know, other than, like, there's a few bangers on it, like Mother and Child Reunion and Me and Julio. But I think probably what I did was I bought it, and then I just, like, dropped a needle on the record and went about doing what I was doing, as opposed to, like, you know, really sitting with it. And a lot of this album, if you're not, like, actively sitting there, it's intimate, and it kind of just, like, flies under the radar if you're, like, also cooking or also cleaning the house. And I remember, like, I I thought it was fine, but it just, like, didn't jump out and grab me like I wanted it to. Hmm. But uh, this past couple weeks, I've listened to it many times, and, like, all, like, the nuances are coming out, and I'm way into it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good word to use. It's nuanced. It it has, because those, there are those uh, bigger songs that kind of overshadow these more... Uh, introspective and personal songs that he puts in, in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a full band, it kind of those things just kind of like come to the background or kind of fade in your in your memory of the album. Mm-hmm. But it's it is nice. They are really good songs and
3: well constructed. Do You
2: think sure. Mother, Child, and Reunion is a banger?
3: I think it's a yeah. banger. Yeah, really. Yeah, the first Man, one.
2: I think Duncan is a much better song. Well, Duncan's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great song. They're just really different. Yeah, you know? yeah it's kind of kind of a thing. But like, uh, I think when he said "banger," he meant like
4: hits. Though I mean, like the two songs that like made his best of albums were the ones he
2: mentioned: "Me and Julio" and "Mother and Child Reunion." Yeah, right? those were the so singles. Like, those were. I, I didn't know that. I, I yeah. knew "Me and Julio" down by the school year. Is yeah. that the full? full yeah. Yeah. Song? Yeah. It's a it's a the great. It's a mouthful. Um,
4: so we were. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just to say this record is um, is a reminder of just how. If you're in the in the in the mood to like actually listen just to, even just a little bit, uh, how a good lyricist can do so much. I mean, some of these songs are very simple musically, uh, stripped down, not a ton of production. You know, like Duncan is a really straightforward song. It basically he he tells the story, then he repeats the line at the end of the verse. And then the flutes come in and uh, I the like recorders so, I guess, are uh, cool. probably a recorder, I guess, but uh, no, it's, no, no, it's, it's uh, it
3: Los Incas, uh, same yep. dudes that were playing okay. on El Condor Paso oh, okay. from uh, bridge over troubled water. There yeah. you go. But,
4: um, Chiringo flutes and percussion, but it's really <laughs> simple. That song's very basic, but the lyrics are so strong and the melody is, uh, very haunting and medieval. And so it ends up having this very simple song, uh, Becomes exciting and interesting because you're excited by the turns of phrase. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just what you're going to get when Paul Simons, even on his like B game, it's it's so above what most people can do with lyrics. Uh, Speaking of
2: basic can we talk about the cover of this record and how it inspired a thousand sorority girls in their their current outfits? Oh, with the, with I seriously, the, the fur hood, yeah. dude. Seriously, when we when this first came up, because I was like using Spotify on fur my hummer. phone and, and I have the uh, like the, the tint down on it, I was like, oh, who's that pretty girl? <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh no, he, that's a Five O'clock Shadow on Paul Simon. Also, the uh, I hadn't seen this uh, insert that you brought, Ben. Uh, but his gross, gross picking nails are right there on the dog, and that's that's upsetting. The better
4: for the scratching.
2: The dog doesn't mind. Oh, yeah, he's getting some scritches for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, that, that cracked me up. I, r- I really thought I was like, ah, oh, who's, that? who's that lady? It is kind of funny, too, his face is also on the back because yeah. it's like
0: Simon and Garfunkel. Like, one of their faces probably would have been on the yeah. front and the other on the back, but it's just both of them. <laughs>
3: It's got a lot of of, of service area to fill at only one phase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Before we started recording, we were talking briefly about mother and child reunion because uh, it was just playing in our headphones. Rob, I think this is funny. Uh, you, look at the 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 instrumentalists on the band. Tell me that that doesn't sound like the lineup of a reggae band. It Hux, is Huck's Brown. It is yeah. yeah.
2: Wallace Wilson, Neville Hines, Jackie Jackson, Winston Gray, and. Denzil Lang. Yeah, Lerick, that was. Mitchell. So that was recorded in yeah. Kingston, right? Mm-hmm. And she he's like he's incredible.
3: backed by uh, members of Jimmy Cliff's band and uh, members of the Maytals. Yeah. And that's why it sounds so it sounds familiar. So, that's why it sounds it, so good. Yeah, but that's like, why it doesn't sound like no. he's aping anything no. because he's got those guys. So. Yeah, <laughs>
4: it's like, it's, it's not even that it sounds good, it's like it l- sounds like albums that I listen to that is like, oh, it was probably recorded in the same studio. That oh, you know, yeah. Like I love Jimmy Cliff. I'm a big fan, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's just interesting to to hear it and be like, "Ah, oh, that makes so much sense." I thought about it as I listened more uh, to that song because I, I listened to it through, f- you know, maybe more informed ears mm-hmm. than when I was growing up listening to that song. Um, and I listened f- because I was curious if it was gonna sound like uh like what's the band sound like though? And the band sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was worried I was gonna go back. And hear the song and be like, "Oh, is this is this bad? Like white guy reggae? No, okay, this 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 sounds great." And to find out that it's actually members yeah. of all these great bands makes a lot of sense. What?
3: Funny you should mention oh. white guy reggae. Uh, the last Simon and Garfunkel album, the album he did prior to this, uh, "Bridge Over Troubled Water," mm-hmm. has the song uh, "Why Don't You Write?" Uh, and that was his first attempt at doing a finger quotes like reggae style song and in in his in his own uh words he thought it came off sounding as a bad imitation
4: of like a. that's the challenge of trying to make somebody else's cultural music you know Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not categorically opposed to the idea of you know trying to adopt a style and develop it that's that's it's the same with songwriting as it is with food you know we learn how to do something that excites us and then we replicate it and we filter it and we fuse it. And that's what happens with music. But the reason I think it can be very um, negative uh, or come off for as negative for a lot of people is when it feels like, you know, you're copying someone else's style and you're not even doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And like this song, it's interesting to think about cause that you could totally hear mother and child reunion, as not a reggae song, like if he just played it on the acoustic guitar, it'd sound good. But doing that treatment was exciting and interesting, I'm sure. You know, it's fun to switch yeah, it up I mean, for him. It, yeah, it, 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 it,
0: oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, it really showed his like branching out too. I feel like this album is like his, he, he was always hinting at that with the Simon and Garfunkel, but now it's like, um, done enough kind of folk rock, you know, harmony. Rock or, or I even say rock. Not rock, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, harmony, folk, um, and now he's he's moving more into that like pop or uh, eclectic music. He dabbles in from, a lot of I mean, world world music, music, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's
4: but it comes off, you know, he's such a song a uh, strong songwriter and he's such a talented lyricist that I just think he's able to do it. Yeah. Know? He can just he makes it work and that's I think that's what everybody who has like an adventurous writing style is hoping for is, is the past saying you, you tried something really hard, which is to cover a lot of ground, but guess what? You, you did it. (laughs) Good job. You know, Mm -hmm. I think he does it. Yeah. He's one of the few. Apparently those music, um, the, uh, Kingston musicians uh, took him to
3: school on like the differences between like the different subgenres like uh, like uh, reggae and ska and blue beat dance hall dance I'm hall kidding. yeah. So, uh, what do you think uh, the, t- the, the narrator and Julio were doing? <laughs> uh, it was against the law. I know. I know. It, it really offended Julio's mom. Is it Julio's mom? I believe so. Because it it's when he mentions his name. Sounds like they
0: were cutting class. That's what I always think it is. Like they were cutting against class. Against the law, though. But
3: then, against the law, it In makes me think. Paul Simon said. I don't know. Probably something sexual. It doesn't matter what oh. it was. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's I funny. thought people like stealing
4: cars. I always time. pictured them being why. like younger kids shoplifting. Uh, like, yeah. I don't know, but I but I remember. I think I think that because I grew up with this kid who is like, he grew to be like uh, quite a career criminal, and um, this was his favorite. <laughs> Simon Garber or Paul Simon's song. He loved the song. And I genuinely think, because this is him telling me this when he's like 10, 11 years old, you know, I think he just loved the line, it was against the law. <laughs> I swear, I think he just thought it was cool, you know? And it is. It's a great song. It's, it's really popping.
3: Yeah. I read that uh, uh, the Radical Priest that came and got him released and they all made it on the cover of Newsweek is most likely based on uh, the actual radical priest, Daniel Barrigen, who I did not know much about, but apparently he was on the cover of Time magazine right around when Paulson was writing this. And he was he was known as the Christian anarchist. Oh, Spent wow. a lot of time in jail. Uh, he was part of the Catonsville Nine in 1968. I believe they made homemade napalm and burnt up a lot of uh, draft card equipment. And then in 1980, he was part of the Plowshare 8, where they broke into a nuclear facility and damaged warheads. Okay.
4: That's the kind of Christianity I'm suddenly interested in. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That is a radical priest. I mean, like, that's not how I roll, but, like, I mean, way to take your message of peace and make it extreme. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Extreme peace. (laughs) He skateboarded there. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) The original casting choice for the movie *Triple X*. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about the back half of the album? Because once it got to "Papa Hobo," "Hobo Blues," "Paranoid
3: Blues," it took me a few listens, but it 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 did grow on me. Okay, I was wondering. I that, didn't cause... like Hobo's Blues at first, but now I really like it as a, a palate cleanser. It's short. It's like yeah, it it's is. less than a minute and a half long. Mm-hmm. Just like little instrumental fiddle and guitar tune. Yeah. And it's not. It's just like it, it's not in that middle in the the halfway point of the album. But it's a nice just little intermission
4: palate cleanser, and it's a, a nice little melody even. Yeah, I thought it was, it was like kind of funny that that he threw all those together, just like as a theme, almost like a concept. Yeah, moment. there's a little theme. Yeah, but it. I didn't. It didn't bug me. I no. mean, like it, I. Yeah. I I like the whole record. Um, I think that there are songs that you know stick out more, but I think that's just the way of albums and, um, and I think that when it's so, when it's composed of so many different styles, um, you're going to just relate more to some than others. And I think that it's not like he didn't know that there was a risk he was willing to take that people were going to say, this is the stuff that I'm really into. But like, I think the truth is, is that if you were a fan of Paul Simon at this point, like, of Simon Garfunkel, you were gonna get this record, probably. Yeah. Um. A lot of people did. Yeah, and <laughs> if there's gonna be something for you to like. Yeah. Um, and me and is definitely like just like the oh okay he still got it you know like that's your safety song, and then let him explore it's his first record on his own you know it's it, it just second second oh, okay. the
3: first one was the Paul well, Simon songbook yeah which I barely count. Yeah, it's like a technicality is when he thought that so Simon and Garfunkel again, finger quotes broke up in before Sound of Silence was a hit. Simon moved to England and he released uh like a collection of songs called the Paul Simon Songbook and then Sound of Silence broke. I and see. then he moved back and they're like, OK, we're a band again. So that that's that was his technical first album. Yeah.
2: Got it. OK, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, for oh, but, for, for is, all intents and purposes, this is his first. This solo is yeah, this yeah. is kind
4: of his. It's adventurous in a way that like somebody who now is not functioning in a sort of, you know, I don't like the, the famous obvious remark whenever you're talking about Simon and Garfunkel is to give Simon more credit, <laughs> but like, you know, I was gonna call it a fifty fifty relationship, but like. You know, they still did have to sign off on stuff, I'm sure, you know, in terms of like what songs are they doing? There's a protocol, a procedure going, you know, talking with the, whoever the producer or the label is, you know, they cut out one, you know, one part of that. And he was able to, I he's think, do fine. Yeah, and well, obviously. And uh, and uh, he was able to end up do uh, doing a little more adventurous stuff, probably because he's the one making most of the choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if he's going to, if he succeeds or if he fails, it's all on him. But it's, I mean, I feel like he was writing the songs anyway, for for the most part. Ultimately, so, that, so ultimately yeah. there's, there wasn't a big risk, I feel like, in, I read in him a, doing everything.
3: I read a review uh, the other day that really made me scratch my head. So this is Noel Coppage of uh, Stereo Review, and it's just paraphrasing a little bit. He said, uh, this is merely Simon's way of keeping his hand in while Garfunkel makes movies. Then another part he says, you wonder if Garfunkel's arranging work doesn't include sending Simon back to rewrite some of the songs before recording them. So I'm wondering if Noel Coppage is just a pen name for Art Garfunkel's mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Couple in the next room, bound to win a prize. They've been going at it all night long. Well, I'm trying to get some sleep, but these motel walls are cheap. Lincoln, Duncan is my name, and here's my song. Here's my song. My father was a fisherman. My I will say that fisherman.
4: Garfunkel was known for his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was very methodical and very um, detail-oriented. And so that's actually not that far from a possible mm-hmm. truth because he was he was very focused on the harmonies. He was very focused on all the little things turning into a bigger better whole. So I I don't think that that's well, I'm sure he did some arranging work, but I listen to this and I don't think it sounds like someone treading
3: it. water waiting for a Gar- Art Garfunkel to come back. No.
4: No. <laughs> I mean, that is like a ludicrous write-up. But I think there's a hint of truth in there. With just the fact that like like Garfunkel contributed like let's like, just like I mean even even the like lowest like least helpful band member does something you know it's like and like I don't think our Garfunkel was that bad you know see you
2: later Artie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot <about> nice. that.
4: <laughs> though he did uh, yeah what's uh, what's the reference explain it for.
3: Uh, oh, it was on... Uh, uh,
0: goodbye, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright yeah. on Bridge Over Troubled Water. There's a one of the recording engineers at the end of the song. He was playing bass. Uh,
2: I think he was in the booth. Yeah. He was yeah. Oh, was
3: he? Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. And he says, so
0: long, Artie. So the,
3: the, the song, the which was written by Paul Simon, was a very thinly veiled metaphor of Art Garfunkel leaving to because he was talking about going to architecture school. So, so long Frank Lloyd Wright. That's awesome. And then, at the, yeah, at the very end, as it's fading out, you can hear in the booth, so
2: long, Artie! <laughs> so good. And they, they made Art uh, sing
0: the song. It's, <laughs> also, it's Art beautiful. Art suggested writing the song
4: to Paul Simon. <laughs> Interesting. So Paul Simon wrote it for, like, for wow. him. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I can't picture the song. But, uh, um, yeah. It's one of the, my least favorite songs on uh, yeah. the thought it was pretty. Um... He, Art Garfunkel inspired me to write a song called Dark Dudes based on, <laughs> uh, Ben, Ben and I are working on this one, uh, based on an interview that yep. I read with him oh, that yeah. I, I have told you about. Told you, yeah. But, uh, it's just like, he's just, he really thinks he's a complex man, okay. <laughs> like, Sometimes you just gotta tell people how complex okay. you are. Is
3: that <laughs> the interview where he keeps on sending back his soup or something? Yeah.
4: It begins with, yeah. with something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just, I think he's just a little difficult.
0: Uh, this album topped the charts in the UK, Japan, Norway. It reached number four in the US. And in 1986, it was certified platinum. So cool.
2: Yeah. Not too bad. Well played. Did, Did just fine.
0: Yeah. Did just
3: What year was just fine. Graceland? Was that 86 or maybe 87? Oh, you think it bumped it? Maybe it gave it a bump.
0: Oh, yeah. right, because that's 86.
2: Um, good good idea. Just Call Me Al on Graceland.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That record, Because can't Pony to was talk
2: about 80. that record. That's uh, Sheila's favorite drunk driving and then, song. Yes, eighty. <laughs> back okay. when she used to do that. You're right, 86,
0: Okay. Graceland. So that makes perfect sense. So they got that and they went back.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you think Robert Kreskow thought? I bet he loved it. You're right. Yes. I also think that maybe he was going through some tough times. Oh. Uh, This is (laughs) Robert Kreiskow's quote is, this is the only thing in the universe to make me positively happy in the first two weeks of February 1972. Oh, man.
4: Whoa. Wow, I wonder what was happening that month. That's what I want to know. I don't know. Uh, Looking it up. (laughs) February Um, 1972.
2: Bobby Kennedy get shot? I think it was 68. Yeah, that was... Guys, I don't know anything about... Did we, did we walk on the moon or something? No. <laughs> that was a different year as well.
3: Oh, um, and that wouldn't did, bum did, out Robert <laughs> Prescott. <laughs> did Mean Streets come
4: out? <laughs> uh, pretty funny. Uh, we were not doing as very good in the Winter Olympics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that probably be, not it. <laughs> he's just
3: a big luge fan. Luckily, Paul Simon came out with a a
2: really
4: nice solo album.
2: <laughs> maybe it was just a particularly cold winter in New York. Wow.
4: maybe
3: yeah. Richard
2: Nixon
4: said a bunch of uh, racist stuff. No, <laughs> maybe he was going through a breakup. No. Yeah, that was probably something like that. Yeah. yeah. All, right.
3: All right, what
0: do we think
2: of it? Uh, I ultimately give it a positive. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's it's nice on the ears, and uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, I was I, I wasn't surprised it would be a, a good album because I think Paul Simon's a good songwriter. But yeah, it's it's very good. Would recommend. Mm positive for me uh, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm glad you asked me uh, this month as opposed to <laughs> before before when I would have <laughs> well, probably that's why you,
0: we uh, re-listened to yeah. stuff you know? no
3: av- absolutely upon re-listening uh, yeah I don't know what I was missing the first few times but mm. I really like it
4: cool yeah I, I just I really enjoy it um, I think it's it's so varied that even if you don't love a song just wait for the next one and I think there's a little something for everybody. Great performances. Great lyrics.
2: How's he so good at everything? Yeah. That's, I don't know. God damn it. I think <laughs> I'm on
0: the
4: positive too. It's just.
0: Yeah. You're right. There is a bit of something for every everyone. Like ragtime to, to reggae, reggae to folk to.
3: Brazilian. Reg-
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah. It's a great album. Good job Paul Simon. Coming yeah. Out with good, the job, good
3: job Paul Simon. <laughs>
0: Looking forward to uh, Graceland, I believe, is next. I don't think we'll get, like, One Trick Pony or anything like that. So
3: You don't think we'll get Ryman Simon? I think it's just Graceland. Some is that his rap that's album? Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's his rap album. <laughs> Hopefully,
4: No, it's not actually. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. identified <laughs> what was going on in February. Terrible bombings in North Vietnam. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Lots of bombings. Mm. Mm. Uh, I imagine. I, I mean, that's that was pretty rough. Yeah. Well, Paul, I'll see you in nineteen eighty-six. my bye, Paul. Bye, Paul.
0: So long, Paulie. Next time we'll be talking about Roxy Music. Roxy Music. All
1: right, next show. She said, "I see." okay I... she said paul you better look around how long you think that you can run that body down how many nights you think